Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Expat Empire Podcast. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that we're offering a free consulting call to anyone interested in moving abroad. Whether you're thinking about retiring somewhere warm, starting an international career, or becoming a digital nomad, we're ready to help you think through the next steps in your journey. Send us a message at expatempire.com to schedule your call today. With that said, let's start the conversation. Hey, Debbie, thanks so much for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. Hey, David, thanks so much for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, same here. You've had quite an interesting background and a lot of cool stuff that you've done and are currently doing. So I'm super excited to hear more about that. But just to start us all off, if you could tell us a bit about where you're originally from, where around the world you've lived so far, even if it's a shortened list, uh, and where you're currently living, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So I am originally from the Philippines. I was born there and then I came to the United States when I was around eight or nine years old. And I have lived in the Philippines, in New York, in Florida. So those are like the three places that I've lived at. Uh, but I am location independent. I have a business that I run from anywhere. If I could, I would travel more. But unfortunately, uh, my husband <laughs> has a stable nine to five job here in New York City. So we're based here, but I often travel for, for my business. Okay, awesome. And just to go, I guess, from the very beginning, as you said, you were originally from the Philippines and you moved to New York, I believe, when you were about eight years old, from what I understand. So if you could just talk about that transition, obviously, probably a lot you can say there, but just given that that's such good, must have been such a stark contrast for you, right? Even at that young age, I can imagine that that had some uh, consequences and effects on your desire to travel these days. So maybe you could talk about that a bit. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, I was born in the Philippines in a tiny little town, probably most of your listeners will never hear about <laughs> um, until now. So I was born in Ross City. Um, if you've been to the Philippines, you're probably familiar with a very touristy area called Boracay. So it's a few hours from there, uh, just to give you a little destination spot. But <laughs> <laughs> we... I'm immigrated here because my mom came here first, right? Like most immigrants, you come here for a better life. There really wasn't any uh, jobs in the Philippines. So my mom came here with some of her family um, and they petitioned for us to come here. Mm -hmm. And I did not see her for a very long time. So most of my early childhood, I didn't have my mother my dad actually left his job as a merchant marine to take care of me full time. Mm. So I ended up coming here when I was eight, um, about to turn nine, I believe. And it was pretty crazy because it was everything that I knew, you know, all of my friends, my family, people that I was close to, I was leaving. And I came to an extremely different country, you know, the Philippines is a very poor country coming from that to a very, very rich country and just coming here, seeing what people were doing, how they were living. And I still remember the first time I tasted pizza and it was so gross because I'm <laughs> so used to rice and fish and vegetables right. to eat something that was very fat and heavy, right? Like oils and cheese and all of that stuff, which was so new to me. 
was pretty incredible. <laughs> have you gotten used to it since? I'm going to guess you probably have, but. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, so I have to, you know, it's one of our staple foods here. I grew up in New York City. Right. I've spent more time in New York than in the Philippines, so absolutely. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and so taking from that, did you have any thoughts of, I don't know, going back to the Philippines one day or just how, how did it sort of lead to this idea of let me go and see the world again and, and not just, you, you could have just as easily just stayed in New York and or in your own neighborhood and never ventured out again. But what sort of led to that uh, desire and ultimately opportunity to do so? Absolutely. So when I came to the United States, like most, uh, you know, most people who are immigrating the travel, the travel part of that is not about seeing things for fun, right? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about having a new way of life. It's about necessity. So it wasn't like, oh, we're going to do this for fun. It's going to be amazing. We're going to see a new culture. No, it was like, it's really scary. It's not for fun. It's a new life for us. It's a new beginning. Right. But where I ultimately got the travel bug was really from my father. You mm. know, he was a merchant marine. And then once we came to the United States, he went back to that and he traveled all over the world. I believe he's visited, you know, all the continents. He has crossed the globe several times. And I would see him only three months out of the year. Mm. And he would tell me about all of these different places. And that's where really it all started for me was seeing the world through my dad's eyes. Um, the stories that he would come back, the pictures that he would show me. And I wanted to do something similar. I wanted to see the world. I didn't just want to be in a little, you know, in my little own world. And that's really how it all began for me. And were there any specific spots of the stories that he told you? Were there any places that were on your bucket list straight away that you've already been able to make it to? Or, um, you know, any, any <laughs> prime spots that uh, you'd recommend to our listeners? Ironically, one of the countries that my dad always talked about, but I've never been to, which is really funny, is Japan. Mm. He's always talked about that. But I think I've been saving it because <laughs> I want to go there with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're definitely planning it once everything starts to calm down. Uh, my husband and I and my parents were all talking about it. We're like, we'll, we'll go to Japan together. You've always wanted us to go there together. So I think that's really the reason why I wanted to save that spot so I could go there with my dad and see it through his eyes and why he loved it so much because he's literally been through like so many different countries for work. And that was the one place that really stood out to him. And for me, actually, the first country that I went to, which was for fun for as a tourist, was was France. It was mm -hmm. Paris. And that was really one of the places that I wanted to go to. And I went there when I was 16. So I actually went there instead of having a sweet 16 like they do here <laughs> in the U.S. I told my mom, I don't want that. I would rather go to, to Paris because mm -hmm. my school at that time was having a trip. To, to Paris. So I was like, instead of spending all of that money for one night, I would rather do Paris. So that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's funny to hear about your, your story and the interest in Japan, because of course, that's a place that I've spent a couple years and a lot of time learning the language and so on. And in fact, my grandpa was in the Navy for, I think, 20 years, and he did two world tours early on in his career. And he went to Japan in the early 1950s. And those stories have always stuck with me and was definitely one of the reasons that 
I was originally kind of interested in Japan. I mean, one of many reasons, but it's fun to hear that you had a kind of similar experience with your family as well. Yeah, my dad always talks about it. He's like, it's so beautiful. The food is really good. The people are amazing. So one day soon, <laughs> yes, we'll all、definitely. go together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So、uh, I guess changing tact a bit in terms of going into your just career and how you've been able to make your business and and your career more location independent. Could you help talk us through what your process was to finding those opportunities to be able to be more location independent, to be more of a nomad, and and to make your money where you want to live? Yeah. So it was definitely a long road. I. Had a corporate nine to five job like most people, and it wasn't. So this is a thing, right? It was a job that I went to school for, and it was a、mm. job that most people thought was like a dream job, right? Because I honestly made my own hours. My company was amazing. The people I worked with were really great. So it was something that. I thought I really needed right. People always tell you, you need a stable job, and I got it. I was paid really well. The business was really great. You know the company, but I knew that it wasn't for me. I wasn't a nine to five type person, and I wasn't really passionate about it. So the last two years of working there, and I worked there for almost eight years,、mm. I actually started having panic attacks every four、mm. months, and it was kind of. Clockwork. It was pretty incredible how it was every four months this would happen to me, and then at that time too, even before I had that job and throughout that time, I was traveling a lot and I was meeting so many people that were location independent, that were you know that owned their own online businesses or were remote workers, and I was really interested in that. So what ended up happening was I started thinking about it, and my husband. Who was my boyfriend at that time was like you should listen to these podcasts about <laughs> online entrepreneurs and how they got into it, and I started listening、um, to a few of them and it really caught me. You know, I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. I I was gaining some following on social media because of the traveling that I was、mm-hmm. doing, and then people kept telling me to do a travel blog, but it wasn't really something that I was interested in. And then I was introduced to podcasting. So then I I was like I should just do this. I used to interview a lot of people when I was doing photographs, and then I started my podcast. And then within six months, I started making money from it. And then within a year and a half, I was able to leave my day job and do it full time. So that's really how it started. Was just this need、hmm. to learn from people, right? To learn from people who actually were doing it, who were giving me realistic advice. Who I knew I could learn from, and it would allow me to do something myself. But I didn't know where it would lead me eventually. But thankfully, it led me here because <laughs> now I have two businesses from it, and yeah, it was a pretty long, crazy road to <laughs> to definitely get here. And could you talk a bit about maybe the ups and downs specifically of this of your podcast,、um, and and of course other businesses that you've started as well? Because I know it. it When you say it, of course, it sounds. I mean, it, it sounds like a wonderful <laughs> journey and a wonderful life. I'm just curious, maybe what some of the the challenges have been that you've had to overcome, if there have been any that have been notable. Oh, there's challenges every single day, David. This is <laughs> this is、I'm、definitely sure, sure. ongoing. <laughs> and when I say, "Oh, six months," I started making money. A year and a half, I started. You know, I left my day job. 
it actually was probably a five or six year process, maybe even longer. Because before I even started my podcast and this business right now, I started and failed three other businesses, right? And a lot of things happens. I was I, I was just trying to figure things out. I did a business that was just purely out of making money and it didn't work out because there was no passion for it. Then I did a business that was purely passion mm. and it didn't work out because I didn't know how to make it into a business. And then every single failure and every single business that I had, I learned so much that it allowed me to actually take that into this business that I have now. And that's why it's succeeding. It's still not where it needs to be, but it's definitely into that because of all of the failures and mm. that I've had in the past. So yeah, a lot of those failures, again, is just not understanding how to run a business, just thinking that it was all because I'm a creative person, you know, mm. that's my background. And just leaning more towards that and not really understanding how to run a business, not understanding marketing, not understanding how to get clients, all of those things. We're just learning opportunities for me to eventually get here. Obviously, it's not perfect. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to tell everybody this, even people who are super successful, which I still don't think I am, have those ups and downs every single day. And I I feel like I, I'm bipolar most of the time because <laughs> there's some days where everything is really, really mm-hmm. good and you're like on the top of the world. And then the next day something happens and then you're super depressed about it. And then like a week later, it's really great. And then <laughs> a week after that, it's like, ama- like, you know, it's horrible again. So that's really the realities of being an entrepreneur and doing something that's outside of the box. Because if I just wanted stability, quote mm-hmm. unquote stability and income every day, I would have stayed at my day job, <laughs> which right. there's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes, David, I think to myself and mm-hmm. I tell my husband this and some of my closest friends, I'm like, it must feel so good just feeling okay with being at a stable job, you mm-hmm. know, because you have less problems. And I'm like, am I a massage? Like, like, do I just do this to myself? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, what is it like a misogynist? Like you just like to like put pain on yourself, you know, but that's just how I am. And I'm, you know, you probably have these same types of uh, tendencies that you do too, David, you're just not like, okay with being okay, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seems like we create problems for ourselves in some some respect. But how how do you, uh, I guess, just taking that a step further, maybe we can get into this a bit. But I imagine when you just started the podcast, maybe, I don't know, maybe you immediately started with a huge number of listeners and followers and everything. And and it was great. But I can imagine that maybe it started a bit smaller and it grew over those first six months, first 18 months, like you talked about. So how do you deal with this idea that you're better than you were, or you're maybe let's let's not necessarily say you're better than you were, but you, you have better numbers than you were six months ago. But if you have an episode that dips down again, for whatever reason, because we never know why these things happen. Now we have a new frame of reference and that's frustrating, right? Because it's hard to just consistently get that upward trajectory up and to the right. So yeah, I'm not sure of your experience on that in particular, but (laughs) we always just have this changing frame of reference. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts about how we can deal with that as entrepreneurs and location independent, you know, remote workers and so on, trying to build these side projects and businesses to be successful um, when we're always, you know, comparing against a changing baseline, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that definitely happened to me, especially in the beginning. Um, 
I've been doing my podcast for almost four years now, and mm. there are certain times where my numbers are huge, and then there's like months where it cuts in half, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I hear this a lot from people. Then they'll go on like Facebook, they get really frustrated. They're like, oh my God, what's happening? And then right. you find out there was like something that happened in Apple or something, and that's why it happened. Honestly, to tell you the truth, most of the times I don't really look at the numbers that mm. I have anymore unless I have a sponsor that asks me about it because it's just going to drive you crazy. <laughs> um, the only time I do actually look at my numbers is like you said, to really understand if there's something that I can do about it. But I don't look at it in a way that's like, oh, it's really bad this month. And, you know, I'm going to be super depressed. Yes, it affects me. If it definitely affected it, me more before, but I, I think I've been at this long enough to know that it always bounces back. Mm. And for me, the most important thing is, and I've learned this throughout all of the businesses that I have failed with this one that's actually thriving is that it's just doing what you're supposed to do and doing it every single day. Um, <laughs> yep. There's really no freaking secret to this and people think there is, but it's just understanding what you need to do and do it every single day, no matter what happens. If you know that that's where you need to be and that's the right step, it doesn't matter if there's a setback, you know, for a month or two, if you know that's going to allow you to keep growing, then you just keep doing it, right? If there's something that you need to tweak, then tweak it. But it's just a matter of taking those steps every single day. And I think that's why a lot of entrepreneurs that succeed and succeed really well is when you're able to tune out everything and just do do the work. And yeah. I, I think I've definitely gotten better at it. But before, it would super, absolutely super depress me yeah. when things <laughs> didn't go my way. And I was like, ah! And I think that also allowed me to will step back, right? Because that did happen to me a lot before. And I actually, you know, just quit that business mm. because it just, you know, I'm like, Oh, my God, it's all a failure. But maybe I'm thinking about it. I'm like, maybe if I just kept going, maybe it would have succeeded because I was learning. So right, right. it's just that mental block that you need to to get over and then you just keep going. And then that's it. <laughs> uh, but as you said, it, it can be hard to know when something's working or not. And do you have, yeah. uh, it sounds like, you know, maybe for different reasons, things have or haven't worked for you, but do you have any thoughts around some sort of way of thinking about it or a framework or anything for, should I keep going at this and, you know, crossing my fingers and just doing that daily work? Or should I, you know, this, this clearly isn't working and I should put it to the side and try something totally different as you've had you know to do in your career multiple times yeah so for me especially when i'm trying something new i always do the 30 to 60 day test right mm -hmm. so i do it consistently for at least 30 days if i feel like it needs a little bit longer 60 days right if i see that there's something happening there mm -hmm. right then i'll just keep going but if i see like it didn't really make any changes or if it's just so much effort that it's taking away from the other tasks that I'm doing that it's not giving me enough, then I take that back, mm -hmm. right? And maybe I'll say later on, I'll hire somebody to do this later, right? right. So first for me, it's just like, is this going to be worth it for me and my time. Because as an entrepreneur, you're always getting pulled in different directions. And I'm lucky enough to have like, a, like a few people working for me. So I was able to give them the task, like the tedious task that I don't need to do. So 
for me, my time is valuable because whatever it is that I'm spending my time on has to be especially crucial for my business, right? It's either going to help me grow or create income for my podcast, right? Or my business. So it's just those two things. It's like, is it actually growing or is it doing anything for my business, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And second, is it taking away time from other things that's also just as important or even more important? So those are really how I take a look at it. And again, like, allowing it to to go for like 30 to 60 days sometimes even longer if it's a really big project or something yeah makes sense and you also talked a bit about this difference that you've seen in your success between something that you're passionate about and something that you're just driven for for money or you know some version of that not to make it sound quite so petty but could you talk a bit about the importance of passion and and how you can really find that intersection between passion and a, a profitable business Yeah. So I made a lot of mistakes with that, right? Because everybody tells you like, you have to be super passionate about what you do in order to make money. And that's absolutely true. Right. But then some people also say, don't do what you're passionate about because you're going to end up hating it and it's not going to be a good thing. I think that's also true. I think there has to be a balance. And I think it depends on each person because I do know people who are not super passionate about their job or their business, but it's actually the systems that they're really passionate about. Right. right. Maybe it's not actually that business, but it's the systems that they're doing that they're super passionate about. So if you're that type of person, yeah, you don't absolutely have to be passionate. If you're the type of person who just likes to do the same thing every single day, you like the systems, go for it. But if you're a passionate person like I am, um, and now I'm also loving systems. So that's great. You learn how to do that too, guys. Um, it can't just be one or the other. Sometimes you learn how to love systems. But what I ended up learning was that in order for me to do something that I'm passionate about and also make income from it is to actually learn the business side of things, right? You can't just focus on, for example, creating things, right? You also have to focus on how you market these things, how you get clients, how you put effort on things outside from what you're just passionate about. Because a business is just not one thing. There's so many aspects around it. And I think for people who are just starting to do this, they don't realize that. And I absolutely didn't realize that. And that's why I failed so many times. But (laughs) it's just really realizing, okay, am I this type of person that I really need to be super passionate about what I do in order to keep going forward? Or am I a type of person who could really love systems or do love systems. And I don't need to be passionate about what I do, but can continue and make money and then do what I'm passionate about on the side. So there's different types of people. It's not a one size fits all thing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think that's very well put and uh, certainly gives people listening and and watching this something to chew on. Uh, So you've talked to tons of different location independent entrepreneurs, people doing all kinds of cool stuff. Has there been anything that you've learned and really taken with you from those interviews that would be great to share with the the audience here or maybe just interesting business ideas or, you know, would love to just hear some, some of your takeaways from four years of podcasting? Honestly, everybody's story is so different. And I think the biggest takeaway I got from it was I really created a group of people that have became my friends because 
it's so interesting to me how it seems like there's so many of us out there that are like this, right? Because now of online communities, if you go online, like the algorithm knows the people that you like, mm-hmm. but then you go out in the real world and there's not that many of us or that have that same type of thinking. So I've really embraced my people, you know, that I've been able to meet. And I think it's also been super inspiring for me to see that people were able to make a life that most people told them that was not possible. And even now, even though remote work is so much more accepted, there's still certain things that I see people do that they've created for themselves, which I think is super inspirational. And every time I talk to people like you, David, who do what you do, I'm always in awe because (laughs) This is something we were not taught when we were young. You know, you had to step outside of the box and decide this for yourself. So that's really what I'm always, you know, that's why I've been doing this for as long as I have, because everyone's story is so different. You know, maybe the remote work, digital nomadism life is the same, but everyone's journey to get there is always so interesting. So and it's super inspiring for me. Yeah, I can imagine. And as you say, we have uh, these online communities now and and the people that you're meeting and you're interviewing with for your show are becoming your friends. And what I'm curious about is, granted, this is a difficult time to go out and meet people today uh, in in any city in real life. But given that you're from, let's say you're from New York and you're still living there, do you find it difficult to I guess, compare this online community of these sort of creative um, entrepreneurs around the world to the people that you have around you there in New York City, of course, a very dynamic and creative city as well, but maybe not as focused on the this idea of, you know, being location independent, being remote workers, being entrepreneurs. So how do you think about that? And, and do you find yourself going maybe more to your online communities more than your in terms of connection than the people around you in the city that you're in right now? Yeah, it's so interesting. Most of my friends in New York are not location independent, right? Mm-hmm. They're not digital nomads. It's it's like I said, it's just not the norm generally. Right. But, you know, obviously now with COVID, there's pretty much 80% or 70% of people are working remotely. So they, it's kind of interesting because before they didn't understand what I was talking about, the life that I was living. And then now they're like, oh my God, I wish I could do this full time. Now I totally understand where you're coming from. So I'm like, yes, I'm converting you. Right, right. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting time because now it's it's being seen as the norm. It's being seen as more stable than not anymore. And I could definitely discuss it with so many more of my friends. But before there was definitely a, I guess there was kind of like a wall there because mm-hmm. I couldn't really talk or even if I did talk to them, they didn't really understand the lifestyle. And in a way that's, I guess that's one thing that was positive from COVID because now more people understand the life that we live. And now I get asked questions more about what I do. And but I would honestly, though, even before COVID, people were interested in what I did, because it's again, it's not normal. Um, And they're like, what you make money from your podcast and your website? How does that happen? Like, that's crazy. How do you do that? So I think also because I've made friends with people that are more open-minded, I think it's also the type of people that you Mm -hmm. surround yourself with and the people that were, you know, sometimes I got like really weird comments and stuff (laughs) and I would kind of like 
take myself away from that type of group. I'm like, I'm too old for this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> I, I wonder if things would have been different in terms of our paths and certainly the reception to our type of lifestyles, you know, if we had started post COVID, right? Because it does seem to be something that everyone's talking about these days. Have, have you sp- thought about that at all? I mean, the acceptance indeed of, of this type of lifestyle and people searching it out. I'm sure that's been a big boon to your your podcast and your businesses as well, because people want to hear these stories and figure out how they can do it themselves. Yeah, it definitely has. It's like I said, it's becoming so much more acceptable and I'm all for it, you know, and I, when I, and this is a thing that I do, like when I'm in person, when I talk to people and they don't do what I do, even if they do what I do, I don't necessarily like start telling people about it. I don't really talk about myself that much because I do enough interviews. I feel like I get that out of my system. Um, (laughs) And I, I, as a a podcaster, as an interviewer, I love learning about other people. So unless they really ask me, I don't really (laughs) give too much information about it. But I have just honestly just been embracing all of the curiosity that people have been getting more so, Mm. right? And because of that, now they are listening to our, you know, like your podcast, David, my podcast, other digital nomad podcasts, they've been listening, and also uh, reading articles that I have on my website. So it's just, it's amazing, because I'm like, I want to help so many people to do this type of life, because it's really about the freedom that we have, essentially, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you make use of that freedom when in normal times, let's say, or in the uh, in the soon coming months, let's hope, you know, how, how do you basically take all of that that you do on the road? And I, I guess I mean, even more logistically, like, of course, maybe all you need is a microphone, right? But in a sense, having the space, having the time, having the f- space in your head to be able to manage these interviews and your process to be able to still travel and see the things that you want to see while having hopefully not too much guilt of, oh, I'm only working one hour today versus my normal eight or whatever it is. How how do you manage that? Uh, I'm definitely not a digital nomad. I tried that for a few months and it was not for Mm. me. I just didn't have that headspace to Mm. do it. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out or there was too many distractions. So I actually prefer having a base. And that's what I have now. I'm either in um, New York City or in Florida. And what I tend to typically do before COVID was I was I did have a base and then I would travel most of the time. And this was really the issue, right? And it's just so funny because before I had this business, I would always be like, oh, I wish I had a job that allowed me to travel. But now I do have a job that allowed me to travel. And I'm like, I wish I could just travel for fun and not for work and (laughs) not to complain because there's nothing to freaking complain about. I love, you know, to travel for work. But it's really about understanding, again, understanding yourself, understanding how you work fast. And for me, having a place where I could have a routine really works for me. And then when I am traveling for work, and I have to do that where I have to travel to uh, meet clients, interview people, whatever it is that I'm doing, just understanding that the content creation that I'm doing there is specifically for that. And then when I come back home, I do the work part of it, Mm. you know, (laughs) like the writing, the editing, all of those things. So it's just understanding what you need to do at that time at that moment, and not really bombarding yourself with everything else. Because at the end of the day, you also need to have fun when when you have that type of opportunity as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just one other point on your your business, especially as it relates to podcasting. So it sounds like this is, of course, where you found the most success in all the businesses that you've tried uh, to date or up until that point, at least. And now there's just so much different content out there. Not only are there tons and tons of podcasts, but obviously YouTubers, you know, streamers of all sorts. There's, um, there's you know, Clubhouse. There's just a million different you know, and, and blog posts, like I know that you have on your site and, and courses, and there's so much stuff. So how do you kind of figure out where your sweet spot is? Or do you try to do everything, which I imagine is probably not a good idea, but I would just love your thoughts on how did you know, did you find that the podcasting was the right for you, the right medium for you? Honestly, I don't try to do everything. I just focus on things that I really enjoy. And that's really what I recommend for people. You can absolutely try different things and then just choose one or two that you really love, right? And it's okay to try out a lot of things in the beginning because you're obviously, maybe you don't know where you fit in yet, right? And something is going to stick. It's just, again, don't give up, just try it out. So for me, the reason why it became the podcast is because I love talking to people. I love having conversations. When I travel, I have conversations with strangers. When I used to do photographs, I would have conversations with my subjects while I was taking photographs. And it was so much more, I guess for me, intimate than just reading something, Mm. right? And I felt really drawn to it. I really felt drawn to people's stories. I felt really inspired by it. And that's why I ended up um, getting into podcasting um, and not necessarily video like a YouTube, right? Because also I don't, you know, that's not something that I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm just too lazy for that. (laughs) Like I can't see myself like video, like doing a video of myself and like, I don't know, it just wasn't. But I can't say it's never going to happen later. Mm -hmm. Who knows? (laughs) Um, So for me, I honestly stuck to podcasting. And then I added my blog. And then I'm usually just on Instagram and Clubhouse, Mm -hmm. right? And those are the things that I'm really in. Like I'm, I'm there. That's where I put my energy in. And that's where I feel compelled to show up. So it's really about, again, it's about you, what you like and what you don't like and just going from there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this great insight and advice and telling us about your wonderful offbeat life today. (laughs) I'd love to uh, have you tell us just more about where we can find more about you and what you're doing, all your social media, website, what we can do to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, David, for having me here. I had such a great time. So if you want to find out more about me, you can visit theoffbeatlife.com. I have a ton of free resources there for you. If you want to start working online, you want to start an online business, you can also find my podcast there uh, where I interview travelers who ditched their nine to five to become remote entrepreneurs and digital nomads. So it's all at theoffbeatlife.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, where I'm mostly at. And again, it's at The Offbeat Life. Perfect. Well, I'll have links to all of that in the show notes, of course. Thanks so much again for joining us today, Debbie, and look forward to keeping in touch. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. You can quickly find out where and how to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash expatempire. 
If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it so we can continue growing the global expat empire community. Keep up to date on new expat empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for our newsletter to get our free ebook, Top 10 Tips for Moving Abroad, right now. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering free consulting calls to discuss your moving plans and how Expat Empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks.